Oh, thanks for the love. Yeah, Jess and Aaron uh, are expecting about 100 kids this year, which is amazing. Every year it's been growing and growing and growing. And uh, God just does extraordinary things every year on camp. It's, it's amazing. And uh, so many lives transformed. And you know, when, when, a, when a teenager encounters Jesus and, the, and their lives are transformed, then they become fearless warriors and don't look back and become radical, you know, world changers. Uh, How many of you got saved when you were a teenager? How many of you? Let me, look at that. That's, That's amazing. How many of you got saved before you were 25? Put your hands up. If you got saved before you were 25, Okay, put your, hand, put your hands up. How many of you got saved after you were 25 years old? Okay, there's a small number of hands that have just gone up. Which of the ministries in the church is the most important ministry in the church? Right? Come on. Kids and youth ministries, the answer. And, uh, and campus ministries and young adult ministries. And of course, all of us, it's not that we're not important, us 51-year-olds like me, so I'm saying us to anyone else in the room that's 51 years old, but shikabanga. Um, it's just that the way God's made us, the opportunity for our hearts to be open and to receive Jesus before the age of 25 is wide open compared to afterwards. It's just the nature of the way we're made. So... You know what, if you're not, if you don't have teenage kids or you're not going to camp, please pray for them that God will just really, really baptize them as he always does with an extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit on them all. And uh, that leads me right into the title of my message this morning is three, the three dimensions of the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying there's only three dimensions. I'm telling you, I'm going to talk about three of the dimensions of the Holy Spirit's work, okay? And I want to speak this morning about the work of the Holy Spirit in you. I want to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit on you. And I want to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit among us, okay? So in you, on you, and among you. Say that with me. In me, on me, among us. Among me. (laughs) All right. Okay, let's do that one more time. In me. On me. Among us. Turn with me to the book of John. One of my favorite passages of scripture. Jesus is just about to go to the cross. It's one of the last, part of one of the last things that he ever said on earth before he died, before he went to the cross, was this amazing uh, dialogue, discourse that he had, kind of like his last words to the disciples before he went to his death. And, uh, And then, of course, he rose again from the dead and has been speaking ever since because he's alive. He's more alive than ever, so to speak. All right, here we go. John 14. Let's start in verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he or she will do also. And greater works than these will they do because I go to my Father. 
and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. The word in Greek right there will not leave you orphans. To be an orphan, some translations, how many of you, it says, I will not leave you comfortless. Put your hands up. If your Bible says, I will not leave you comfortless, thank you, yeah. Because the Greek right there can be translated either or, because to be an orphan is to be comfortless. But the name of the Holy Spirit, Parakletos, translated helper in the New King James Version, translated counselor in some versions, translated comforter in other versions. I will not leave you comfortless. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to come to you and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. He's the very spirit of the Father and the spirit of the Son. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would come this morning and you would absolutely fill us with your glory today. Father, I ask you that you would pour out what you promised, the Holy Spirit upon us. I ask you that you would help me, Lord, that as I teach, you would teach Holy Spirit, that you would lead us into truth and that you would lead us into a greater encounter and a greater experience with the Holy Spirit than we've ever had before. In Jesus' name. So that we can be like that girl that you healed of that brain tumor, who having been healed says, I want to be a missionary. Lord, that's what we want. We want you to touch us afresh this morning so that we can be missionaries in every moment of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak on the Holy Spirit in you, on you, and among you. I want you to notice that Jesus says, I'll pray the Father that he will give you another helper, that he, will, that he will, may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world cannot see the Holy Spirit, everybody. Okay, so never ever expect the world around you to endorse you and the Holy Spirit. Don't look for your work, the colleagues at work that don't know Jesus to acknowledge and endorse the Holy Spirit in your life. Conversely, and at the same time, don't let your feelings be hurt because they don't recognize him. Because Jesus said the world cannot see the Holy Spirit and the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. To receive the Holy Spirit, you must first receive Jesus. 
You see, the Holy Spirit on the outside can only be recognized when the Holy Spirit is on the inside. And the Holy Spirit on the outside is a different dimension of work than the Holy Spirit's work on the inside of you. I want you to notice that Jesus, with his disciples, says that the Holy Spirit is with you, but he's going to be in you. By the way, before I get into that, I just would like to say this. The Holy Spirit showed me this a few years ago. He said, in the same way that the world cannot see me and cannot, cannot receive me, so also any Christian with a worldly mentality cannot see me or receive me. In other words, won't receive what I'm doing in a room, won't receive what I'm doing in an airport, won't receive what I'm doing in a cafeteria. The, a worldly Christian will very, very unlikely endorse what the Holy Spirit's doing in another person's life. Because it's impossible with a worldly mentality to be discerning of the Spirit. Which is why it's always so important that we are careful what we judge. Because what we judge exposes our hearts. If we're full of love, we'll judge with love. If we're full of worldliness, we'll judge with worldly eyes. With worldly eyes and worldly heart and attitude. And uh, so the next time you see somebody and they're just, they're just undone and they're discombobulated and they're shaking or, or they're doing something that looks weird to you or they're laughing and crying uncontrollably, remember, don't judge it. Because by judging it, you're proving that you just are very dull to the Holy Spirit. And you just don't want to be famous in heaven for being dull to the Holy Spirit. I want to be famous in heaven for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And you know what? If you keep your mouth shut, you'll look smarter. So be slow to judge and quick to bless. Quick to love, slow to judge. If you, don't see, if you see something that you don't understand, well, just remind yourself. You don't have to in that moment. It's for them, not you. And also, it might just be, if there is one thing that you could judge, you might just be smart enough to judge that they were clearly hungrier and thirstier for God than you are. Because he meets the hungry and he meets the thirsty. Now, I'm not saying that in a given situation that, you know, we shouldn't discern spirits and so on. That's a whole other topic. I'm talking about when you have a worldly mentality. And you'll know when it's worldly because you'll be at the center of your thoughts and not the other person. Either you or... You can always tell when you're... I can always tell when I'm thinking in a worldly mentality when I'm at the center of my thoughts or all the other human beings and what I worry about what they think of me are at the center of my thoughts. Now, when I was a kid growing up in, in Africa, and by the way, I was born in Nigeria together with my brother Murray, for those of you that don't know, we were born in Nigeria 
And, um, and uh, we, we kind of, we, we both would love to have been made Nigerian citizens, but for whatever reason, we weren't able to be, even though we, my parents were there for 20 years and we grew up there. But, uh, but, but I have accumulated three citizenships on my journey. So I'm, I'm British originally, which is why July 4th sometimes feels slightly confusing for me. And as Kate mentioned, but you know, now that I've become American, my American citizenship is by far and away my favorite, even on July 4th, and actually most especially on July 4th. And I'm really glad that we beat the Brits on July 4th. I'm really glad. I am. I'm really glad. Not for the war and the bloodshed and all of that, but, but because this nation is in the hands of God and he loves our nation. And I am very grateful to the Lord that he's allowed my wife and I and our three daughters uh, to be immigrants and our son-in-law to be immigrants in this land. And uh, we're, we're blessed. We just are slightly late to the Mayflower. <laughs> and did you know that the Mayflower, the people that came from the Mayflower came from within about five or six miles of Kate's hometown where she grew up. Isn't that amazing? All those, all that time ago. Uh, and here we are now. But anyway, praise God. I'm also Canadian. So uh, thank you, John. So on July 1st, Kate and I celebrated Canada Day. And then on July 4th, we celebrated Independence Day. And uh, we don't need to celebrate any day for the British because there isn't an Independence Day in England. But um, sometimes we do feel a little bit like Jason Bourne, you know, when we, we go out, we're like, which, no, not that one, not that one. You will take that passport, yeah. But I think it's because God knew he was calling us to the nations. So I've had the joy of going to 75 nations, somewhere between 75 and 80 nations. And I have to say, I'm very, very grateful to the Lord not only for the United States of America, but for North Carolina, that God has called us to live in North Carolina. I've just come back from Kauai, Hawaii, the Garden Island. And you know what? I couldn't wait to get back to North Kakalaki. I'm serious. We, y'all, we have no idea how privileged and blessed we are to be in this state. May the Holy Spirit give you grace to steward this state in your heart with incredible gratitude and with honor, respect, and love for each other. Because God's given us a great place to live. I'm thankful to him. Ah, shakaraba. So I want to share with you, when I was growing up, my image of God was largely based on things that I had been taught and the culture that I grew up in in an evangelical home, very, very, uh, very, very, um, what's the word? Um, I'm trying to avoid saying religious because it wasn't really religious. It was, it, yeah, my parents were, were very conservative Christians, but they love God like crazy. Um, and just the words just slipped my mind on what I was going to say. But anyway, they just love the Lord like crazy. But but when we were growing up, 
my parents and all the missionaries that, that they were their colleagues and all the pastors and everybody, nobody really knew and understood or ever talked about the Holy Spirit. It was kind of the, the Trinity that I saw through my lenses listening to everybody was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Oh, and the little dove somewhere that we all remember. Oh, yeah, that's right, the Holy Spirit. You know, he's like the little dove. And, and I would see pictures of, of, of God depicted, you know, from medieval times as there he is, an, an elderly man with hair white as wool seated upon his big throne that was all made of kind of church cathedral-looking spires everywhere. And there he is seated on the throne of the church and he's seated there. And, you know, he's got the Lamb of God, his son, Jesus, depicted as a lamb on his right side here and on his left was a little dove near his heart. I'm so glad to tell you that's not what God, the true living God, is like at all. He's not at all like that. He is three persons, one substance, one God revealed in three distinct, inseparable persons can't say people because even saying persons is not really sufficient because our language doesn't allow us to describe this glorious trinitarian god who's three in one and and yet when you have one of them you have all three at the same time and he's he's not male he's not female he's both and he's neither and if you've worked him out whatever you do get rid of him he's not the real god it's completely mysterious. And then when you've just figured out that he's three in one, it turns out one of them is seven spirits. How are you going to wrap your head around it? You're not supposed to. You don't engage God primarily with your head. First you engage him with your heart and then your head follows like a little puppy dog trying to keep up with revelation. But at the day of, on the day of baptism of Jesus, as Jesus comes up out of the water, and that day, that, that moment was so symbolic. It happened three, three and a half years before Jesus actually rose from the dead, before he actually was crucified on the cross, and all of us and all of our sin and the whole human race died with him, and he paid the price in full with his perfect spotless blood and his perfect body, an eternal sacrifice, and his blood was offered up to the Father by the eternal Spirit of God. And his blood forever pleading, his blood forever a statement that you're perfect and whole and pure and righteous and glorious in the eyes of God. That beautiful moment when the Father raised Jesus from the dead after he died on the cross. Three days later, he rose, he raised him from the dead according to Ephesians 1 verse 9 and many other scriptures. But he raised him from the dead with such power. This, Paul uses every Greek word of power in that sentence to describe the moment when the, when the father raised his son Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit from the dead. Yeah! And lifted him up, lifted him up out of the de out of death, out of sin, out of the devil's grasp, out of every enemy of God. Literally took him and took us who believe in him, all of us, and lifted him up, 
straight through all the principalities and powers and rulers and dominions and Satan himself and everybody that would try to hold Jesus and beat God. He just, boom, lifted him right up and out and seated him up in the highest place, right at his right hand, and took all of us with him, the many sons that are led to glory. Hebrews 2 verse 10, he led many sons in his train to glory. And in that moment, as Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, all of us were seated with him. Ephesians 2 verse 6, we're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, what a moment. And that's where you're seated right now. North Carolina is beautiful, but it's nothing compared to the beautiful heavenly place in Christ Jesus that you are actually currently seated in. You are above in the heavens and you are ruling with Christ. And by the way, you are not ruling people. You are ruling over demonic spirits powers, principalities, and all of your weapons are not the weapons of this world. They're not the worldly warfare weapons. They're weapons that are mighty for pulling down strongholds, for pulling down everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God in your mind, on the outside of you, you name it. You struggling in your, in your workplace, well, guess what? You don't get to rule over a single person in your workplace, but you can rule over every spirit that is dominating them affecting them, afflicting them, persecuting them, oppressing them. You can pull those things down in the secret place and you just watch God transform your workplace, transform your colleagues. Some people get all upset. Are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? What are you? Are you this? Are you that? Are you We're none of all of those things. We're of the kingdom of heaven. We're citizens of a whole different realm, everybody. A whole other realm. And we need to realize that and recognize that and start to operate in that realm, from that realm, ruling and reigning. Something you don't like, take it to the Lord. And if he doesn't like it either, it'll get sorted out. Shakaraba. <laughs> it's just that I found out that some things I don't like that he likes. Can be a bit of a slap in the face in the secret place of prayer. Hmm. The first work of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit in you. Now, when Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism, something happened. Something happened. It was symbolic of what would happen three years later. But what happened was, kaboom, the heavens were opened. Now, that was not symbolic. That was a fact. That was a fact. That was a scientific, biological, geographical, spiritual reality. From that moment, heaven was open. And by the way, don't ever let your mind think that it ever got shut again. It hasn't. It's never shut. Heaven is open over, the, over every single place where Jesus dwells, you. Heaven is open over your head. Now there's a pipe open above my head because Jesus opened the heavens. And because Jesus is in me, heaven is open above my head, just like heaven was open in that moment for Jesus. It never shut again. And he went around for three and a half years 
under an open heaven, destroying all the works of the devil. Right? In the power of the Holy Spirit, kaboom, kabang, boom. Demons left people with a shriek. Bodies were made perfect and whole. Dead people were raised to life even after four days. Death could do nothing to stop this living, glorious God who's now flesh walking around in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. One with the Father, one with the Holy Spirit, anointed by God. Jesus of Nazareth, anointed by God. Acts 10, 38. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Acts 10, 38. Well, guess what? What's true of Jesus is also now true for you. Why? Because this same Jesus is dwelling in bodily form in you. This body. But it's not just this body, it's this body. And if there's a pipe above your head that's open, imagine when Kate and I get together, now there's two pipes. That's bigger. When we get together with Murray and Ash, that's four pipes. When all our kids are together, that's like a gazillion pipes. When we all get together like this, there is a very, very, very fat, wide pipe above our heads. It's just open. Just look up a minute. You can't see in the natural, but in the spiritual, there's a gigantic hole and heaven is just pouring through in on us. In fact, that's why I come to service. I come to be with you. That's why I come to this meeting. I come to be with you. And when I come to be with you, you bring your open heaven. I bring my open heaven. Together, two more, 100, 600. There's 600 people that meet together typically 600 people across two services might be down a little bit because of summer I can see a few green chairs open next to y'all but nevertheless when we gather together that's a very big fat pipe let's start drawing everybody you know I, I, I was thinking this morning I was thinking you know what is it that we desire when we're together would we like more healing to happen on Sunday mornings? I've just been on vacation, so you have a lot of time to think. Would I like more prophecy on Sunday mornings? Lord, would I like more manifestations of the Spirit on Sunday mornings when we meet? Lord, would, I, would we like even more radical, fiery teachers in the kids' ministry on fire? Would, would we like a greater level of community? Would we like to be loved more? Would we like that, you know, people would know that, hey, I'm not feeling very well, therefore I'm, that's why I'm not at church today because I'm absent because I'm not feeling very well. But nobody phones me. Nobody contacts me. I just don't have any community. I thought I did, but I don't. But then when we stop and actually think about it and we realize, oh my goodness, all of the things that we would like to see in our community, no matter what it is, we're the answer for that. We have the choice to steward that. 
If we want to be in community, then it takes every individual in community to decide, I'm going to live my life to give to the community. <laughs> if they didn't, there'd be no community. Think about it. So I've been getting excited because that makes me realize, oh, well, then if all of that's true and we're all filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the one who makes us all great and the Holy Spirit's the one who makes us all powerful and the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the love for each other and the Holy Spirit is the one who does the miracles, then we all filled with the Holy Spirit, we can truly be a supernatural community of radical, fiery lovers of Jesus. And all it takes is not to look at the other person and wish they were something else, but to look at ourselves and see the brokenness and realize that the brokenness is God's greatest opportunity to shine through us. Ooh, shakaraba. I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? Because I've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, and I'm the most broken vessel in this room. Seriously, just trust, ask my wife. I went on vacation and over and over and over again. I goofed everything. That's why I'm not up here every Sunday preaching. So if I was up here every Sunday preaching, it wouldn't take long for all my brokenness to screw everything up. So we decided a long time ago, 11 years ago, when we started the church together, that we'd all take it in turns and we'd be teamed together so that the Holy Spirit could be the true hero, so that no one would put any one of us on a pedestal, but that Jesus would be on his proper throne and that, and that you would realize that, that we're all being led together by this true senior pastor of this church, Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. That's what we want. Well, if that's all true, okay, and I'm glad you like it, you're all clapping. If that's all true, why don't you decide, let the Holy Spirit be the senior pastor of this church through you. And you step up and make a decision in your heart that every time you meet, first of all, every time when you're not together, you're going to steward this body, this community, of radical believers, you're going to steward it in your heart. You're going to pray for it. You're going to bless it. You're going to honor it. When people say things about it, you're going to just be able to say, hey, you know what? You're absolutely right. It really does suck. That's because I'm there. Right? Some people say things, don't they, about communities. They might say, you know, that place, it's not this or it's not that or it sucks or whatever. Well, you know what? If you're part of that, you can just be humble because humility has no worthy opponent. And just say, yeah, it's probably like that because I'm there. Yeah, because I have moments where I suck. I really do. And, you know, it was such a perfect church, catch the fire, and then I went and planted it. And I ruined it. I ruined it with all the areas that I, I, I fail in and I'm weak in. But I thank God for each of you. Because we each together, we're maturing in Christ Jesus and our strengths and our weaknesses are all different and we need each other. And our uniquenesses as our opportunities of a love gift to each other. And the best part of it all is the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. 
that he is the great empowerer. He's the wisdom. He's the miracle-working power. He's the resurrection power. He's the power that cleans the most unclean person. The Holy Spirit. He's the one that will fill you with a word of knowledge when you're at work about your colleagues that will just bring kaboom, some kind of moment where heaven is revealed. And not just so that they can all go, oh, wow, let's believe in Jesus, although that's amazing, but also probably just so that whatever y'all's work is actually becomes more successful. And so the Holy Spirit in us is what we get when we're born again and born of the Spirit. When the disciples first met Jesus, freshly resurrected from the dead, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, John, 10, John, John 20, 21. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. And his breath, the Spirit of God, through the resurrected body of Jesus, a body just like ours, except wholly different now because it's totally resurrected and eternal and spirit, and he breathes into them, received the Holy Spirit, and he came in them. And honestly, I don't think they had an opportunity to kind of chat and discuss whether or not Jesus' breath smelt slightly fishy because he'd just eaten fish. And I don't think they had time to kind of discuss whether it was warm and wet or whether he spat on them by accident, on accident. I don't think they had that opportunity. You know why? Because I think that when the, res when the resurrected king of glory, fresh from destroying death, breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit, you're probably going to manifest. And I reckon they went flying. I reckon they were on the floor and they could barely recover. And from that moment, the Holy Spirit was on the inside of them. From that moment, they were now ready for the promise of the Father. But he said to those same disciples a few days later, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And I could imagine the disciples, what? What do you mean wait? Wait for what? What else could I need? I got him. Remember? Remember that moment when I went down and I was like electrocuted and I didn't get up for three hours? Remember that, Jesus? I felt you. I got the Holy Spirit on the inside. Yeah, baby. I'm like, I'm, I'm pumped with power. Son, that was for you. For you and me for eternity. That's your union with me forever. But wait, there's a second dimension. A second dimension? A second work of the Holy Spirit, yes. What else could I need? I got you on the inside, yes. But now you're ready for me on the outside. Wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high, Acts 1 verse 8. And they waited. They waited seven days. And all after Jesus went up, ascended into the sky, and a cloud hid them from view. And I can imagine, they all went back down to Jerusalem and they were there waiting and praying and waiting and praying. And they got together and the Bible tells us that they were one, one accord. They were just praying. There was only one thing that they cared about. We must have the promise 
of the Father. We've got the Holy Spirit inside of us. We know we're born again, but we want to be those powerful witnesses. And you know what? From, for those seven days, it says the doors were locked. They were on the inside, frightened, because they thought that the same people who murdered Jesus were going to come and crucify them as well. And so they were in behind locked doors. Let me tell you something, everybody. After the day of Pentecost, there's not a single locked door ever spoken of again. Because after they got baptized with the Holy Spirit on the outside of them, and they were endued and clothed with power from on high, they were never scared again. They were turned instantly from being fearful little Christians that thought that they could never get anywhere in this world, but they were thankful that they're going to heaven and that Jesus would come back and they'd make it. They went from being complete, total revolution into total, complete revolutionaries. And in one generation, turned the empire of Rome completely upside down and turned them from following multiple gods and half gods and all the superheroes that we see on TV these days, just in a new form. They went from worshipping all of that nonsense to being totally in love with Jesus. And all they wanted was for the whole world to discover how good he is, how perfect he is, and how his resurrection can be their resurrection and they can have eternal life through him. One generation transformed, not by the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, but the Holy Spirit on the outside of them, clothed with power. Because the Holy Spirit on the outside of you, clothing you with power, is what turns you into a mighty witness. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you is you saved, being transformed on the inside. But the Holy Spirit on the outside of you is you transforming your world. See the difference? Let's stand. Now, I want to finish with this. The Holy Spirit in you for you, as Bill Johnson would say, and on you for others. The Lord showed me that if a people become hungry enough and all together start to call on him, that he would clothe not just your body as an individual, the temple, but all y'all, all of us together as the body, and that the Holy Spirit would be poured out by the Father and the Son onto all of us and clothe us, not just with our own anointings to transform the world, but with a gigantic corporate anointing of the entire family, the anointing of the entire body of Christ. And then the Lord started showing me if he can do that in one church where one church family becomes so gloriously baptized with his presence and his power that a city is totally transformed and that demons can't find a single safe place to live in in an entire city. Then what would happen if all the churches in a region started to call on God to baptize them with His glory, with His anointing. And the Holy Spirit didn't just come among us in a single church, but came among us in an entire region of churches. What would that region look like? 
I tell you what it would look like. It would look like a people carrying so much power that the world rediscovers that even our shadows can heal the sick. That they can put a demand on our shadows and our shadows carry glory. And if you, like me, are one of those people that are just constantly hungry for more and totally dissatisfied with where you're at, I want you to step out of your seat and come up here to the front because God wants to gloriously baptize you. Some of you, you've never spoken in tongues. Some of you, you're always frightened of prophesying. Some of you, you've never been able to heal anybody. You've prayed for people, it's never worked. You've laid hands on people, it just doesn't work for you. And you just feel like, oh God, I just... I feel like such a failure. Congratulations, you are. But the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is not. And I'm telling you, by the grace of God, I've done miracles. Not me, but Christ in me and on me by the Holy Spirit. And right now, I pray for each one of you here that the Holy Spirit would come now and gloriously and wonderfully light a flame of fire on the top of your heads. And you know, you might not see a flame. You might not see that flame. On the day of Pentecost, when he came, there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. A gigantic flame of fire entered the room and then divided and rested on the top of their heads. There's probably about 120 of them. They were just instantly set on fire. They were also instantly drunk. They got up and spilled out onto the streets. The doors flew open. The church was turned inside out and they left the meeting and they were just so on fire. Every one of them able to do miracles. Every one of them able to be a tremendous witness of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Every one of them never again fearful. Every one of them bold as lions. Every one of them full of boldness. I'm going to ask the prayer ministry team just to walk around. and, Guys, do not look at any human factor right now. Just ask God right now. Just begin to cry out for Him. Just say, God, would you baptize me with the promise of the Holy Spirit? I know I have you on the inside of me, but I want you on the outside of me. I want you enough so that when I get up tomorrow morning and I get to work, everyone at work sees me different. They see the flame on my head. They see the fire in my eyes. They hear a different tone in my voice. They hear my words for the first time. Lord, I want you to anoint me so that I'm able to heal the sick. So that every there's no sickness that would be safe in my presence. That you would enable me to be a fiery, radical demon caster outer. God... I'm asking you today, anoint us with your power. You know, I realized on vacation, I've been asking God for a move of God again. And I felt the Holy Spirit just saying to me, Duncan, you are a move of God. 
You can be a move of God. Catch the fire, Raleigh, Durham can be a move of God. Not just in the future, but right now. Right now, tomorrow morning when we wake up, when we get to work and we're different, we become a move of God. And yes, I'm quite sure that God is going to move and keep pouring out His Spirit in uncontainable measures, in greater and greater and greater measures of glory, greater and greater waves. But let me tell you something. Let's surf the wave that we have like we've never surfed before. Let's bring the kingdom like we've never brought it before. Let's yield ourselves like we've never yielded before. Let's expect God to move like we never expected Him to move. And let's expect Him to do it through us, not somebody else. Pick me, God. Pick me, God. Here I am, God. Pick me, God. Pick me. Pick me, God. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to look at the community asking and waiting for them to become community. I'm going to be community. Lord, we want to be a people that are just on fire. You know, I just have this thought. I mean, let the Holy Spirit so ignite us with His presence and with His power that we become a dancing church on Sundays because you start dancing, because you leave your chairs behind and you come out and just dance. Take the aisles, just start dancing because you're no longer conscious of people or yourself. You're God conscious. You're Holy Spirit conscious. You're on fire. Shakaraba. Oh, Holy Spirit, set us all on fire. I ask it with all my heart, Lord. Just set us on fire. Set me on fire. Set Kate and I on fire. Set Murray and Ash on fire. Set all our children and our grandchildren, all our relatives, everybody that we ever know. Set all of our friends on fire. Set all of our workplaces on fire, God. Set us on fire, Holy Spirit. Shekaraba. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. And set us on fire. Not just for a move of God in the future, but make us a move of God. In Jesus' name, today, right now, oh, in yes, Jesus' Lord. name. Holy Spirit, I ask that as we go through these doors, that we would be your witnesses. That we would just continually immerse ourselves in your fire in our workplaces, in our homes. And I, I thank you for wisdom and revelation and the glory of God just overflowing in our lives this week, that you would make us bold. You would make us confident people that we would not be ashamed of your goodness and your glory in our lives. Oh yes, Lord. And I ask that there would be signs that follow us that even our presence would cause people to start pursuing you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Keep us filled. Keep us filled. Oh, may we linger this week in your presence. Oh, yes, Lord. We want to be a people that your presence is to dwell with. And we ask, Father, all across these cities, that you will be rekindling the fire of love in your people all across this, this place. We just want you to keep receiving. We're not going to rush what Holy Spirit is doing, but we want to formally close the meeting. And if you've got children, if you could go and get them from their classes, 
um, just to honour the teachers there. And we love you all. And we've got information about Embrace Durham at the back. And if you're new here, come and meet some of our team of leaders at the back. But we love you. We're family. Have a wonderful week. And may God be with you in everything that you do and bless you. And may he fill you that you'll never be on empty because you're inviting him to keep filling you. So bless you all. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Enjoy hanging out together before you leave or go and have lunch together somewhere. Bless you all. Thank you.